This week on Writers Get Animated, we're talking about Star Wars, Forces of Destiny, and DC Superhero Girls. And in honor of today's episode, WGA now stands for the Women's Golf Association. Stay teed. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and also shows for women, girls, shows for girls, right? And young women too. And young women. I'm Chris Leva. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And and today we have a guest on the show. We have Rebecca Myers. Hello, everybody. Rebecca is a recovering journalist which is a different kind of writer that we haven't had on the show before. I mean, slightly you, Mackenzie, I guess, a little bit. Uh, I, I didn't go to school for it or anything. Right. So, I didn't like, yeah, it was fancy. <laughs> so on today's episode, we're discussing two things. The, the overview of when you create a show for a very specific audience and you're trying to capture perhaps an audience that isn't, normally in tune with your subject matter. I guess that's a, is that a fair assessment of saying? And it's like the most political, like equal way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, you're trying to, you're trying to engender a gendered audience. Is that when a marketer meets a show that they think <laughs> is just for boys and they want a the marketer wants to make the show not for girls, but make an equivalent version of the show for girls. Lots of air quotes are in the sentence, by the way. <laughs> That's what this episode of Writers Get Animated is about. Right. And, and specifically, we're looking at two examples. We're looking at Star Wars Forces of Destiny, and we're looking at DC Superhero Girls, which is the name yes. of their show. Yeah, not, not a concept. It's the name of the show. Yeah, it's a title. I wish it was DC Superhero Girls High School because that'd be more somehow more descriptive. We'll we'll get into that. We'll get into that <laughs> as we go. But <laughs> looking at things, if we if we look at these marketing executives, which I, I don't feel it's the creators coming up with some of these concepts. I feel like the creators are having to do the bidding of people higher up making decisions. I think I think the creators are doing the best they can with their uh, what's that word? The mandates. The I, was, mandates. I was about to say what Trump doesn't have. The mandate. They have their, their they use their mandates. I feel like this is even more fitting is a mandate. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. That's better. Thank you. When can we get a woman date? <laughs> that just sounds somehow worse. God, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, well, the superhero girls have to go on dates with superhero boys. They are in high school, so maybe that's season three. I have thoughts about these superhero boys, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what is the, I guess, what? why do these shows happen? Well, we've talked previously about Young Justice on the show, and Young Justice has, I think, like the prime example of, like, why... Shows like what we're talking about today happen uh, because Young Justice was this action-oriented like show set in the DC universe. It had like a good balance of male and female characters with all kinds of like emotional ranges among them. And then as soon as they realized that the show was going more towards a female audience, they canceled it because they're like, "Well, we can't sell toys about this," and it was gone. <laughs> 
Um, so historically, like there's this problem in like marketing cartoons of like there's this idea that girls don't buy toys, which is not true. Um, but case in point, Barbie. <laughs> right. Or they only buy Barbie. They only I, buy pink things. I mean, I'd say that's a myth, too. You need uh, to preface that with myth. Oh, you, you, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this is what they think. I'm not saying this is what I believe. Dear Chris Internet. Girls only buy Barbies. Oh, my gosh. Not even Stacy's, just Barbies. Oh. And there's also Kelly's. I had Barbies and Lincoln Logs, <laughs> so I feel like I'm a good mix between the two worlds. So, so I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think part of the reason we had you on for in, in this particular episode is not simply because of your gender or anything like that, but I mean, I think for somebody you yourself don't have as much experience with the Star Wars universe. You're not, Correct. you wouldn't describe yourself as a Star Wars fangirl, I would assume. Nope. Um, you probably don't know what color lightsaber you would like to wield. Green for good. Purple. Well, it could also be like, you could also choose blue. But green? Do you like green more? Yeah, well. Well, however, I'm from the Harry Potter universe, and green is kind of a bad spell. Uh, so you're one of those. But, so I yeah, see. my my uh, dorkdom lies elsewhere. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to talk about the uh, superhero world that I'm not really too familiar with. Yeah, and the superhero world. So seeing if you're if you were a young girl seeing these things for the usual things that you're not interested in, so Star Wars or superheroes, would this capture your attention? Would this say, yes, I want to watch this. I want to buy these things. I want to own this stuff. Sure. It's, so that's, that's kind of where I, I wanted to get somebody who wasn't a fangirl or fanboy on these particular properties to say, let's look at this fresh and see if there's anything adds new insight or new inspiration to explore these particular things. So I chose you. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not fangirl enough for either of these properties for Chris. So No, no, no. You're too fangirl. <laughs> You're too fangirl. <laughs> you, you have too much baggage. I'm not genetically fangirl. You're fan G-U-R-L. Fangirl. <laughs> that's what I am. Yes, that's, that's what you are. It's a little different. It's a <laughs> little different. <laughs> Thank you for the charity laugh. I appreciate that. <laughs> You can stay. Um, so I think, like, for me, the main question about both these shows, because, um, like, obviously we'd heard about Star Wars Forces of Destiny and we're kind of excited about this interesting, ethereal, like, sub-thing out there in the world that wasn't a Star Wars movie or one of the Star Wars main shows. It's this new canon Star Wars film-like thing. Um, and we vaguely knew of DC Superhero Girls and enough to, like, not watch it, unless we had to. <laughs> um I think for me, the question of this episode is whether a show is about girls or for girls. And I think we can get into like what that difference means as we go on. But that's kind of the main thing I was thinking about watching these episodes. Mm -hmm. And I think that as we mentioned in our last episode, the, part of the reason was there's a lot of things being done where they're changing. Like, for example, the 13th Doctor and Doctor Who is now a woman. And what does that mean for Doctor Who fans um, besides lots of, you know, internet angriness? And what does that actually mean for the stories that they're able to tell now? Does it change? What does it do? What does, what 
are you doing now that your main character is a woman? And how does yeah. that how does that manipulate things? Well, I think the forces of destiny really is for girls because I was intrigued that the uh, that the characters' voices um, they seemed less girly, they sounded more mature, they were calmer, they kind of directed what was going on. So. I kind of, as an audience member, respected them more and took them more seriously as sometimes, you know, you don't take a woman's character very seriously just because the way they're portrayed um, and the way a lot of our, just our shows are. So I really like that because um, and there wasn't like this overlord of like this, you know, I mean, I'm not the Star Wars fan, but like there wasn't like some like... <laughs> Darth, you know, good Darth Vader or whatever, like, or the M captain, the empire, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whoever would be the good person, um, isn't a man directing them to do their good mm -hmm. deeds. They're just doing the good deeds because, you know, they're badass. So, well, I kind of like your comment about the voices here and being common because this, the one moment that really stuck out with me and spoilers is my favorite thing. Sorry. I know we're like 10 minutes into the episode, um, <laughs> was, um, Leia, the episode of Forces of Destiny with Leia kind of on Endor, which is mm -hmm. set during the middle of uh, Return of the Jedi. And, like, in Return of the Jedi movie, she's like, we're on this unexplored planet. Look, these little teddy bear Ewok creatures. And, like, the next scene, she's in, like, this full-length, like, human dress. Like, where did you find a dress <laughs> in the middle of the woods on this uninhabited, except by these Ewok creature planet? And this short, they, like, make this little short explaining, like, where this dress comes from. <laughs> <laughs> which is like this mystery that's been unsolved for 40 years, not 40, 30 years in the star Wars world. And I think they capture Leia and Carrie Fisher perfectly because they're like, she's like this beat up like garb. They're like, Oh, here's a dress. We just made it for you. And she's like, Oh, does it come with a spear? Ha ha. Thank you. I'm like, Oh, you, you made it like this moment of like, does it come with a spear? You're sassing it up. You're like, you're grateful for this, but you're also like, this is a dress. This isn't, me. Yeah, I was appreciative of, the, of that because it was a little bit more overt, which is I think we need sometimes so we don't just um, lose what we're what we're going for, which is women empowerment. Mm -hmm. And I think as as we get into it, since it sounds like we're going to jump right into our <clears throat> talk Bam. through some of this stuff. So Star Wars: Forces of Destiny. The thing that I like as we get started is that they're not coming out and saying that this is only going to be about women. This is only going to be the female characters. Like you watch and it just opens up with the word star Wars and that's what you get. And yes, mm -hmm. the word star Wars are a little bit orange, purple and reddish and don't, and you know, it's a sunset. It's a very subtle, like I thought sunset too, but yeah. it still feels a little like they're, well, Traditional Star Wars is like hard neon yellow or like hard blood red. And it's like, here's like this kind of like 2010s, like pastel palette of like sunset <laughs> colors. It's like, okay, I can, I can see that you're trying to like say something with this logo, but you're doing it very subtly, which I appreciate at the same time. Right. So that was your, that's your first clue that this is a different tone of Star Wars. And then you get the voice of Maz Kanata from Star Wars Force Awakens. And she says, and I wrote this down because I wanted to make sure that we got it right, because this is the prime directive of their show. You make a Star Trek reference about Star Wars? And I did not even apologize for it. Um, <laughs> so their prime directive on this show is the choices we make, 
the actions we take, moments both big and small, shape us into forces of destiny. Mm-hmm. There's not any mention of gender or power or class or Jedi or anybody. It's just saying people who make small actions and have small moments of change build people into these giant forces of change and forces of destiny that make things happen. Like it's sometimes it's not just the big moments that shape a character. It's also how they behave on the smaller scale of action. So that's their that's their main directive for the show. Is Maz that cool like old old lady alien person that I really like? Yes. She's kind of shorter. Yeah, she was cool. <laughs> voiced by Lupita Nyong'o and also voiced by Lupita Nyong'o for these shorts, which I also appreciate. Very good to know. And the, that's the other thing because you mentioned the voices and the voices not sounding like uh, I don't know. What you know? Oh, really not, girly and just right. very high pitched. Not and, like Valley yeah. Girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they cartoon. weren't put on, um, and most of those voices are done by the actual actresses from the films. So that's that's another nice thing is that the per, the actors believe in this project strong enough to lend their voices back. It's unfortunate we didn't get you know Natalie Portman. But I was curious if that was her because it's like well, it almost almost sounds like her. But it's it's I've, it's the actor for who did her voice in the Clone Wars, so they're keeping it, you know, consistent. But it unfortunately it wasn't. And arguably, though, I love Natalie Portman. Love, 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 love her. I think the voice casting in the cartoon show did a better job of capturing the characters than the actual characters in the prequel trilogy. Uh, yes, that's fair. That is just neither here nor there. Like the Anakin voice, like they brought back what's his face, who I also like. Yes, that they guy. did. <laughs> that Sorry. one dude. Yeah, that one dude. Yeah, now you know how it feels, men. That one dude. I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> well, I liked the Star Wars better as the cartoon because it kind of took out all that you know, really dorky 80s stuff. And sorry, I'm not from the 80s, but um, it was easier to kind of pay attention to for me, just as someone who's not really super interested in um, fighting intergalactic battles. But um, I made it seem a little bit more approachable just because it was really modern. However, I did like The Force Awakens. I was a fan of that from not being a Star Wars fan in general. So you said intergalactic battles. So wars that happen amongst the stars, you have... Like issues with <laughs> specifically those. Specifically yeah. <laughs> those. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, I yeah I do like Star Trek. No, I think I mean I think the so um, journeys yeah, through stars. I like journeys just, more just than not, just um, straight. Battles. Not so much like battles <laughs> in, among the stars. I just just trying to figure it out. Just <laughs> wanted to know. So just overall, I mean, I thought it was fun and intriguing. But aren't kids mad that there was only eight and they were so um they were so short? Um, has there been any a discussion about the the length of these episodes? There has been. Um, I will say there has been a, a great deal, a great disturbance in the force <laughs> concerning these episodes, and they go along two sets of lines. Uh, this is four girls and boys can't be in it, and two, um, someone else says they're just so short they're not really adding anything to. They're they're superfluous. They're not really adding anything to the canon. They're they're. They're showing these tiny little moments that don't really matter. They're not long enough to really make a statement. And like, well, 
you know, I, I understand that the short length, because there are two and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. and, and I think there are some longer ones coming up. Is that true, Mackenzie? Yeah. I have so many things to dig into with like the criticisms that you're quoting, but sticking on topic with like the length of them, mm -hmm. I think their plan all along, so this is not influenced by the dialogue surrounding these episodes, but the plan all along was for these eight shorts, and then this fall there are two kind of half-hour full-length episodes coming. Gotcha. <laughs> no, I think I yeah. saw that. I think I saw that online. Um, that's good because it's a, a way to promo it, but yeah, as a story watcher i i'm like oh but i want more development i want you know they are um the women are the savers and they are um the ones making everything happen but yeah you want to know more about them and just in general you want to consume more story because it's it's a fun world to be in yeah and you have two and a half minutes you don't have much character development which you have characters that you already know and you give them a single problem to fix and then once they fix that single problem, then they can move on with meeting up with other characters that you already know, hopefully. So as did as somebody who you didn't know anything about necessarily Star Wars Clone Wars or those episodes. Right. I'm not. Yeah, I don't know the, the offshoots, just kind of the main story. So um, Ahsoka Tano with... Um, she, you do know who that is. I do. I asked um, my nerdy boyfriend. <laughs> so yes, I'm filled in. <laughs> okay, okay. But you didn't know uh, who she was before right, starting I watching. Did, I didn't know her. So when that happened, when she came on, what what was your? Uh... I was just thinking that oh, this will be another woman um, that was going to be fleshed out, but I didn't know if it was um, someone made up for this story uh, for these episodes or if it was another already established character, which was good to know that there's more than just a couple, you know, Princess Leia and Princess Amidala and stuff. Right. Yeah, because, and I think that's the other thing is now that they actually have more than Princess Leia and Princess Amidala, like, what are you going to do? Also have an episode with Mon Mothma? <laughs> it's like, it's like mean, you had like three main characters and now they have Rey and Jyn Erso from Rogue One. You have... Um, Ahsoka from the Clone Wars, and you're going to end up with Rose from um, Episode oh, yeah. Eight. You're gonna you'll have Hera and Sabine from Rebels. So they're starting to expand, and why not? Why not have them in more stories? Well, yeah, you want them to do the fighting and look up to them rather than just all the the bounty hunters and cool guys are just all cool guys and yeah you never get that kind of spark from one, the women usually one of the I coolest the, i'm sorry oh no go ahead one of the coolest new characters in the star wars canon is somebody created for the star wars aftermath novels mm -hmm. and she's a bounty hunter which you saying bounty hunter made me remember um jazz amari she's if you want badass jazz amari is like way up there she has horns, she has crazy hair, she fights people. It's she's she's really great. And she's really conflicted about helping the new republic and good Aren't stuff. There's a couple like interesting female characters in that expanded I'm sorry, the new expanded universe. because uh, doesn't there also the um like the 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 main characters like the person in the empire that you're following is her like ascent through the ranks of the empire. In which? And she's a lesbian. 
in, in, in Aftermath? I thought so. Ray Sloan? Yeah, Sloan is a little bit that way, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just all having not read the novel. See, now I'm this is my experience with this world of Star Wars that I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. When when I go on a road trip, I get a Star Wars novel that I haven't listened to. That's the only time I don't read them except on road trips. So, I'm not trying to apologize for bringing up a character from a Star Wars novel, but I think it shows that it doesn't matter the medium they're trying to get more women characters to do more. Sure. I mean, I'm more interested to hear all the, you know, technical mumbo jumbo about negotiations with the Imperial, blah, 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 when it comes from a woman, because then it's not a man explaining it to me. And then I'm like, oh, that big word, you know, if I were smaller, younger, um, uh, I had less uh, student debt to pay, um, then, you know, I would be um, like, oh, like this woman knows this big word. I'm going to ask my parents what this is. And then I might, you know, learn how to follow the story better. Because I remember watching Star Trek growing up and I mean, I loved Captain Janeway because she was, mm. I mean, badass. But then, you know, you took her. I'm like, oh, well, I can be Captain Janeway. So, I mean, I just feel like also while you're learning vocabulary and you're learning plot and you're understanding the story, which, you know, the Star Wars can be, you know, it's a complicated universe. But mm. you can just learn that from a woman, which I think is important, too. I think that's an interesting point because, like, the Padme story that they've chosen for Force of Destiny is. I don't know how to describe it. It's much more. It's. I mean, it's by necessity smaller of a story where she's like setting the table for these distinguished representatives. But in Clone Wars, the show, you see a lot more of Padme going to worlds and talking like big trade mumbo jumbo and like being competent at it as opposed to the movies where she just kind of witnesses the fall of the empire and this is how democracy dies, etc. Sure, yeah, I think I'm thinking of like um, uh, Leia when she's talking about her um, her data bot that has all the info important information and you know she's talking to um the other who's that character that she she gets to interact with who stages the bounty hunter um to who does who she get to hang out with in that uh, in that episode oh where she's she oh, gets she gets Ahsoka. fake she gets fake captured right fake captured which episode it's is the last this? one it's the last episode she gets fake captured. Oh, Sabine? Sabine. Sabine. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're uh, working together, and then they get to make fun of the stormtroopers, which I enjoyed. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I was losing my brain. Because <laughs> And that's, that's the other thing that you get is pairings that you can't normally see. So Ahsoka and Padme a little bit more. You get mm-hmm. Sabine and, and Leia. My initial concern watching like the first few of these where it was like, are Ray and BB-8 and Ray and BB-8 and Leia and Wicket and then Leia and like, or Anakin and uh, Ahsoka. I'm like, okay, none of these episodes are going to pass the Bechdel test. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then like later on, like the last three of them all did well because it's Padme and Ahsoka and then Jin and the little girl that she rescues and Leia and Sabine like, okay, here we are passing the Bechdel test. Two women in a room talking, not about men. It's great. I have a question, though. Did that little girl on the planet with Jin Erso have a name? I mean, no. So okay, it's so like a, that it's that a half gonna... point for Bechdel. Okay. It was almost, it almost hit all of it. It almost hit all of it. Well, it's called progress, so we're getting there. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And I think the first episode being about Ray and BB-8, I think that's a very smart choice because 
Force Awakens did somewhat okay at the box office. Um, BB-8 is a you know middlingly popular character, so possibly appearing on T-shirts that one of our hosts is wearing right now. I like to dress appropriately. <laughs> my Jack, my son Jack, who's four, I, <laughs> he drew a picture today of me and him at the zoo wearing matching BB-8 shirts. Un- unprompted, Aww. he's like, this is us, and we're wearing BB-8 shirts, and he drew little BB-8s on our shirts. They were circles with, like, half circles, so BB-8 That's is good. a very easy character for kids to draw. <laughs> That's true. It's it's no, like, R2 weird dome with, like, the trapezoids on the side. And then the legs? How do you draw the legs? Yeah. Like, I still can't draw R2-D2. Complicated. Anyway, but... <laughs> But he, the, you choose some really recognizable characters and you show Ray getting another moment to do something interesting, which is you get to actually see her use the force a little bit. So that way it's like, oh, no, she's able to use the force. She doesn't know that she's using the force. So it makes her hopefully less of a Mary Sue if we talk through that concept. But still not quite fixing that, you know, that criticism. Do you know much about that terminology? I actually don't. Okay. Mackenzie, would you like to, would you like to, would you like to mansplain a Mary Sue? (laughs) Well, at least you asked me to mansplain it. Yes. Um, Honestly, like I don't, I can't articulate it super well, but Mary Sue is essentially just this concept of um, a character who's there to, take the spot of the author slash audience member on this journey. So the, um, I think the classic example, um, getting really dark into the depths of the internet here is, um, and Harry Potter, uh, the fan fiction, my immortal, if you know of this, what are you talking about? This is classic internet history. (laughs) So my, my immortal is a Harry Potter fan fiction story that is famous around all the dark corners of the internet because it takes, um, I forget the author's online pseudonym, but she places herself in the story of Harry Potter as this goth girl slash vampire who goes to school at Hogwarts and wants to take Draco Malfoy out to like a My Chemical Romance concert. (laughs) So this is the classic example of like the author placing himself in the story. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. But there's also the concept of the Mary Sue just being overly skilled at everything. Hmm. So nothing is a surprise. So... It's like this character is going to be able to speak droid, also going to be able to speak Wookiee, also going to be able to fly a ship, also going to be able to use the force and be really good at everything they touch just because. So there's like lots of little other things that way, too. So the criticism of Ray being she's a Mary Sue, she's able to do whatever the script needs her to do in that moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know how to, f- I'm, I'm a mechanic. I can do this and fix this. And I'm also a pilot. Also, I can do this. But Also, and, I look good in a bikini. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> There's that. So it's, it's, the, it's the question of, do we question it when, if it were a male character, would we have as many questions if a male character had, done all those things and now we're questioning it just because it's a female character. I think the trap we fall into here is like, I think why we don't question for a male character is because a male character typically 
typically gets fleshed out better in writing, and the female character is like, well, we need a woman character. Uh, here's one. No background. Oh, she can do this. Uh, we should have explained that. Oh, well, too late. <laughs> so I think that's the... That, for me, that's the logic behind like why we don't criticize male characters the same thing, because we do get more background. I'm saying that if we did just like have a magical male character who appeared and could do everything, I think... Well, at least Chris and I would criticize him. <laughs> Not about the world, but we would. Yeah. I mean, even even John McClane from Die Hard has a little bit of a backstory, so you could understand why he's able to jump off buildings and things. Mm-hmm. A little bit. A little bit, I suppose. I guess the closest thing would be, like, the Tom Cruise character, you know, in the Mission Impossible films. I thought you were going to see The Mummy for some reason. Oh, no. I don't know of anyone who's seen that. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to make a reference to a film nobody really watched. So I guess, for you, where am I on the screen? Yes. <laughs> what were your favorite things, having experienced Force of Destiny for the first time? Um, like, what, in retrospect, kind of sticks out with you? But also, like, what do you, in retrospect, have problems with? If there are big things. Um, well, that's really hard. I guess I guess what did stick out to me was kind of the the idea that um, I respected all the characters and that they had a voice and um, and I guess I mean I it was more palatable to me um, just because it was fun and fresh and new um, than just kind of the you had to know everything about the whole Star Wars movie. Like, you didn't have to know everything about the whole um, world. And I'm sure there's plenty more that they can go and introduce you to because it's a really you know, large story. Um, I didn't really have a, a super favorite thing. I, I just liked, um, I just like seeing the women do the action and, um, and it's fun to see like the characters, you know, like people know Chewbacca and now we all know BB eight. And, um, so that, that's fun. Cause you feel, you feel like you're part of something bigger, which I think might be interesting for yeah younger watchers to um, get into the older uh, movies um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of just a, my, my take was just pretty simple of just, Oh, like this is, this is fun. This is, uh, I don't have to just, uh, always, always hear someone explain it to me in a low voice. I can just hear people that sound like <laughs> me talk, talk to, um, talk about fighting, uh, fighting against the bad guys. So, um, I guess I just, they were so short. So that's to me, I would, I'd be willing to watch the, the longer one. Cause I feel like I'd get more out of that as an adult who wants to kind of see the whole story and kind of critique the story and get a little bit more than just like immediate resolution from the action. Oh, this bad guy's coming. Oh, I have, I solved this. We can move on. So, um, I, but you know, I think they did a, a good job in promoing like, Oh, look at all these women. We can follow their stories. They're going to interact with each other. So, um, I think, I think there there is, um, you know, good things to watch out for. Can I ask you a question based on your watching? Yes. If you, we hadn't told you that, hey, these episodes are focused on women or for women, would you have known watching them? Actually, I kind of forgot <laughs> that, um, <laughs> that that's what you wanted me to look at. And because um, I knew that that's what you wanted me to look at for the, the DC superhero girls. So I was had more of a, a critiqued lens for that. But I kind of thought this was also a, just a separate. And at first I was like, I watched a couple. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I kind of did notice I'm like, oh, there are women. And then I'm like, oh, duh, Rebecca, that's why Chris um, wanted you to talk to. <laughs> so that my, uh, my ignorance actually helped play a little bit of um just oh yeah this is um something 
that uh, can stand on its own and and I am I am responding to it well as you know a young woman and like oh this is more fun. So I wonder if they did a disservice at the when they made the announcement to say hey we're doing this with a focus for women and in in doing it that way instead of just releasing it. I, I'm uh. just I'm just asking that question is well sometimes. Um, Yes, I mean everything's a, a disservice nowadays, but um, but I think it's it's helpful because if you don't know, then then maybe you're not going to have your your daughter watch it because like oh I'm a mom or I'm a dad and I you know I I sort of like Star Wars, but if you if you know but then it's like oh maybe maybe I could actually have my daughter watch this and she'd like it more and maybe I know about it to show her and just not like hmm. skip over it because I have a I have a um, a friend and his. His daughter, um, he was really excited about the um, Forces of Destiny just because it was, um, you know, kid friendly and he really wants his daughter to be a part of it. And she went like as Ray to like for Halloween. And so Aww. I think it's really helpful that for her, I'm sure that, you know, she's a big fan because her dad likes it and she can interact with her dad on this, you know, more male dominated movie. And then in a different way as um, a little girl. That's interesting. Um, I think... They may have avoided positioning it, and this is all hypothetical, they may have avoided positioning it as four women to avoid, like, the same kind of mire that Ghostbusters got dragged into. Yeah. Did you see Ghostbusters? No, I didn't. And, um, and I, it did get, you know, it did get a lot of bad reviews, and I was sad because it shouldn't have been. It should have just been a cool, they were all, you know, really excellent car- um, actresses, but they were overdone. You know, it was like... It, it wasn't believable. And then, I mean, part of that criticism is also just people don't like to see women in, in roles and they don't want to see their, you know, Dan Aykroyd redone. Yeah, I had more problems yeah. with them trying to shoehorn the old Ghostbusters in there than mm-hmm. with the characters being women. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, if it was um, Rayona Stance and Egona Spangler and... You know, Patty Venkman, I'd have a bit of a problem, but it, they were new characters. They were completely different. They, it was a completely different universe. It was the writing, the story that they gave them that ruined it. The characters, the performances were, were excellent. It was sure. the writing, the right. core writing. And I don't know what, why that tends to happen. I think that the, the surrounding, like, the surrounding like story of Ghostbusters, though, like even ignoring the quality of the movie, which I, th- which I disagree. I think it's underrated. Um, even ignoring that, I think it was just like all kinds of internet men upset that they were taking like what had previously been a male franchise and making it kind of focused towards women. Of course, um, yeah. And I think that would have been the same reaction to these Star Wars shorts if they'd kind of marketed it as that heavily from the beginning. So it's kind of, I'm, I can see why they made it this indie gem of cartoons if that makes sense as opposed to a new series you know it's free it's on youtube it's released just go watch it there are no barriers to it it's totally accessible just go watch it instead of putting it on a particular channel on a particular time and having it not be accessible by people who don't have certain cable you know things or certain you don't have to have netflix it's just here online watch it for free Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it, that's a smart way of in getting people more Star Wars. Well, 
Um, Kathleen Kennedy uh, has this wonderful quote from before the series premiered talking about like why they were doing this kind of, and I think it is like the perfect encompassment of like who they chose to be in it and why they did this and talks to kind of the, the gender perspective of this as well. Um, she says, Star Wars Force of Destiny is for anyone who has been inspired by Leia's heroism, Rey's courage, or Ahsoka's tenacity. We're thrilled that so many of the original actors are reprising their roles in these shorts, which capture the small moments and everyday decisions that shape who these characters are. It is a fun new way for people to experience Star Wars. And so Kathleen Kennedy doesn't say anything about, like, it's about women. She just says, Lays, Leia's heroism, Ray's courage, Ahsoka's tenacity, and talks to specific characteristics of these characters who are women. Right. That's true. Which I think. Yes. And, and then Ahsoka is like one of the first things to the mind of Kathleen Kennedy, who is in charge <laughs> of Star Wars. Right. We need more Ahsoka. We know. She matters. Let me, let me, did you have something? No, I'm just curious what, what comes next. <laughs> well, I, w- I think this is a good way, you know, after discussing their intention. And I think you, you hit it with Kathleen, t- Kathleen Turner, Kathleen Kennedy's, <laughs> Kathleen Turner, Jessica Rabbit. Um, anyway, Kathleen Kennedy's quote, talking about the characteristics of these characters that define them. And that's one of the biggest things as we talk about one of the most popular films. I mean, we're not talking about it, but one of the most popular films of this summer of the year, which was Wonder Woman, which was a big deal, still Mm -hmm. is a big deal, continues to be a big deal. Um, Written by a man, but directed by a woman but still going after and showing a character who's powerful and who's not defined by her, her gender. So it's not like a Smurfette complex. It's she's defined by the choices that she makes. She's defined by what she does and her actions and the characteristics that make her who she is. Um, And which is a nice segue to get into something that, doesn't follow that <laughs> from the same company. So DC Superhero Girls, uh, the, I think the title alone says everything you need to know about their intentions. Right. <laughs> Get your cape uh, on. <laughs> yes. So we were talking before the recording about how we had to explain, like, this is the name of the show people just weren't understanding or talking about DC superhero girls. Like what's the show DC superhero girls, Uh, but what's the show DC superhero girls. (laughs) It's a little self-serving. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Superhero high would have been fun. Yeah. Whoever said that or it was either of you two, but But superhero high doesn't, doesn't have the word girls. So how are they going to know that it's about (laughs) that? It's for girls. Superhero like girls high school. Yeah. Like well, I, yeah. I thought that it was a superhero girl high school, but then like all these guys would show up occasionally at their high school. <laughs> I thought like I'm creeped out. Like, why are the guys here? Yeah. They feel out of place because it, everything is softened. And I, I feel like the characters feel less powerful than ever in, in this, like, 
I, I, there's something about their representation and how they're how they manifest their powers and do things that it feels they feel very not powerful. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, the biggest yeah for me the biggest dichotomy here is 2017. Here are two things that are made by DC: Wonder Woman, the feature film, blockbuster of the year, um, about a woman who is powerful. Um, and we're engaged by her, but it's not about her being a woman necessarily. And then we have DC Superhero Girls, which did an episode this year about Wonder Woman forgetting where she parked her invisible jet. She forgot where she parked her car. That's what the whole episode is about. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so what were your experiences? Have you watch a lot of superhero things i don't um i did get some good feedback about the wonder woman which uh, movie which i haven't seen so that is on my list um but i'm not a superhero just kind of like star wars um um fan girl haha um <laughs> but to me the show it just seems like a very over the top saturday morning cartoon that you can kind of dismiss while you're eating your cereal um it seemed um i mean other than the super annoying catchy theme song um uh, it, i think it should have a it should um breach a lot more questions and, and do a better service to its watchers than it i think it did um it's also to me as a storyteller or a story watcher it's still like those short little um vignettes about how much can you really get that because immediately there's an issue and then it's solved mm. um so that that those are kind of my issues with this um the way that these two um, stories have been set up. Um, however, if they, I did watch all of them as one, and I thought it was one episode, and then I realized the YouTube clip I watched just combined them all together. So I thought it was just a really long twenty-minute um, story about like the Wonder Woman's first, uh, you know, first couple of days in school. And it really is just six-minute long because I believe they're six minutes. Yeah, they're pretty short, and and they're mm -hmm. just. Yeah, it's like from most of that time is the theme song and the end theme song. Right. I think of that six minutes. Was, but yeah, the animation from the from the opening theme song is really cool, and it sets you up for something that you don't get in the actual episode, which is style and substance. Substance. <laughs> They're, they will. They're really basic ideas, like oh, the two superheroes really want the cake in the in the cafeteria, which you know, fine if you're playing to you know a seven eight year old level, but um, it's still I, I still I fear that a lot of it's still kind of that cat fight mentality of like oh we're fighting against each other. Also, one I think is a cat. She's a cougar. She's some <laughs> she's a, she's some hero of feline descent. Um, but so and she you know she's trying to sabotage Wonder Woman. Which, you know, you need a villain, and obviously if you're going to have an all-girl show, the villain's going to be a girl. But to me, I worry that that's kind of like the girl-on-girl -girl hate that, you know. And we don't want we don't want our superheroes all just fighting boys, because that also does a disservice. But I think, I think that line needs to be paid attention to, so they don't just like, oh, the girls are fighting, you know. They don't devolve. So, so you don't want DC super mean girls? <laughs> Correct. Like, uh... <laughs> Like that would I be would, a bad I would still watch that. I know we don't want that, but I would still watch that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, I know you would. <laughs> well, another female-driven cartoon was Sabrina the Teenage Witch in cartoon form, which I really liked because I haven't liked the live-action version. But that was a more story-driven, and um, Sabrina had her friends, and they were a little bit more grounded characters. They were rooted in something. I mean, obviously, all these people have their superhero powers, which they're grappling with or trying to learn, but... And, you know, superhero or Wonder Woman, not superhero. Wonder Woman is friends with Harley Quinn um, just by the fact that they're roommates. Um, so maybe if they would show their friendships, you know, more, I think you would get more of like, oh, I'm a girl. And you can be friends with other girls. You're not always in competition. And I think part of it, I, I, I totally agree. I think part of what they're dealing with is that they're not telling stories they're just giving random situations. They're not putting them into a story. They're putting them into a situation. It's like they're doing DC Superhero Girls improv. Okay, so you're Wonder Woman and uh, you're Harley Quinn and you are at a diner and um, go. Okay, yeah. Harley Quinn, what would you like to eat? Oh, what would I like to eat? Oh, I have my hammer. You know, it's it feels like <laughs> an improv situation instead of a story that is driving these characters. I agree. Like, I feel like the show kind of shows like this broad, basic knowledge of the DC universe, and it it like you said the the opening sets you up for to follow these characters that we know from the DC universe, and then the actual episodes completely ignore or like don't know actual character traits that can help these characters like this one where they decide to go street racing like oh well we need to have a street race to like solve this once and for all um thanks dad jim gordon for shutting down the streets we can have a street race like you, you <laughs> your police officer dad shut down the streets of a city so you can have a street race it's like this weird like we know of jim gordon and that he's bad girl's dad but and like, is that really the best way to spend taxpayers' money on shutting down the street? <laughs> These are the questions that I want. I need, like, Princess Amidala to come in and explain in, like, competent big words, like, why you shouldn't do this. Well, here's the thing, then. Because then I started asking questions about, well, does Jim Gordon know that she's Batgirl now? Because apparently she's not in her costume and she's helping these kids. Like, does he know that that's his daughter? And... Like how long has he known and where's Batman? And you start asking all these dumb questions that you shouldn't be asking because like, no, no, it's just cool because they're having a motorcycle race. Come on. It's just super. It's just Supergirl having a motorcycle race with no superpowers. Isn't that fun? They're powerful. They're empowered. You have to take classes like advanced catchology. <sighs> That was actually the one thing that I laughed at. <laughs> I, I, I found myself, yeah, I wasn't really laughing at much. I was really, I was, uh, Harley Quinn was really cr cringeworthy to me. I also usually don't like the character that plays the over-the-top Joker, no pun intended. Um, but I, yeah, so she was, she drove me nuts. And um, like, I mean, I was, I was happy with Wonder Woman because, you know, she's kind of the, the main character because it's about her coming to school and, you know, she's a nice girl and, you know, you want to be friends with her. But, um, but yeah, I, I think if they just develop their relationships together, there's also the point of uh, diversity. Um, the school, the principal is a African-American woman, which is nice. There wasn't a male principal, which I feel like is always the case. Um, there's never mm -hmm. uh, female leaders of schools ever in uh, kids shows. Um, 
And there, but let's see, we have Bumblebee and she's an African-American lady, but what right. about the other superheroes? They're pretty much white girls. Is that right? For the most part. Yeah. The main ones. Yeah. Like Bumblebee was in there once or twice. Principal Waller. Um, Which is problematic for dramaturgical reasons, not necessarily for other things. If you're, if you're going to pick a powerful woman to be principal of this hypothetical superhero high school, I see why you chose Amanda Waller. I don't have too many problems with it. I mean, in the comic, she's like a villain. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I see why you chose this character to be principal, and I completely agree. Like, this is good to have her as principal here. But, yeah, dramaturgical problems. <laughs> It's going to turn out in season seven of DC Superhero Girls, it's going to go bad. It's going to go wrong. They're going to have to take down the principal. Yeah. Are they going to have more backstory with all of the superhero powers? Or is that going to come, you know, is that going to be fleshed out in the upcoming episodes? I feel like they don't care. <laughs> right. I mean, they're like, oh, you can do this. You have a magical whip and you can do this with your eyes and shoot off lasers. But. But they don't. Yeah, there's so much. Um, there's so much of that DC world that I feel like they should have some drama from all of their backstories. I agree. I don't think they care, but I don't know that they need to care either. And I'm I'm kind of okay with that because the other DC show out right now, which I actually really like, um, is Justice League Action, which is not necessarily about or not necessarily for girls but it's another like 11 minute short series it's on cartoon network saturday mornings and it's just takes dc superheroes and has an 11 minute thing against supervillain and wonder woman isn't that frequently also and um not related they're not like this dc superhero girls is not a prequel to just <laughs> the action or anything hopefully um where was i going with this oh they don't flesh out the superpowers in there either like it's just kind of like here's some random character who you've never heard of from the DC universe, um, and you're rolling with it. You're like, this person can do. This person is a magical space taxi. Great. <laughs> I'm not making that up. That's that's one of them. I don't need to know like where it comes. It's a short about superheroes, and that's kind of the assumption that you just want to see superheroes, and they might have different powers, but you kind of know what you're in for. Sure. Well, what were some of your favorites? Uh, favorite things about it? Are there positives from this uh, from these episodes? You're looking at me. Uh, yeah. I, I know. I'm. I'm looking at you because I'm trying to <laughs> think for I can myself. Suffer time for you. Here, let me. Let me say this. Something okay. that is positive, that it has nothing to do with the show proper. Um. So yesterday, we went to a birthday party for Jack's friend Callie, and she turned five, which was cool. Ooh, and it was a Moana. It was a Moana themed <laughs> party, which was really cool because Moana is awesome. Right, mm -hmm. if you're, unless you're Jack and Moana's traumatic. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, they did some really cool things, and one of the presents she got was a DC superhero girl's Wonder Woman shield, mm. and it shoots things that you can hit people with, and it just nice. yeah, it looks really cool, and it's like. It took having the show DC Superhero Girls to create a toy that's dangerous and awesome <laughs> for girls. So, like, I saw that shield and was like, that's badass. I want to play with that. Like, that's <laughs> not because of the branding. And I looked, I'm like, oh, Superhero Girls. I'm like, this is 
this is complicated. <laughs> but it's really cool that, you know, I know that probably for a fact that she's never seen an episode of DC Superhero Girls. But these characters are in the culture. Wonder Woman is in the culture. So if this series is able to generate things where people can role play as these strong characters, you know, yeah, it's it's fine if she never sees a single episode. And it would probably be detrimental for her to see any of the episodes <laughs> personally. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she has a Wonder Woman shield now and can play around as Wonder Woman just, I think, makes a huge difference. Because I know for the longest time, people weren't able to pretend to be Princess Leia. And that's all they could do is, you know, put their put the buns on and grab a random generic blaster. But there wasn't really much else that you could do to become that character. There wasn't that availability. And it's going to be really great for a lot of, again, the Doctor Who fans who can dress up as Doctor Who, not as like, oh, you're the 10th Doctor, I'm, you know, dressing up as a man. You can dress up as the actual Doctor. Yeah. yeah. You don't I'm have looking to... forward to dressing up as Jody. Yeah. And, and um, one of my friends from work was also talking about things about, you know, I can dress up, and this was a couple of years ago, but she said, I can dress up now as an actual Ghostbuster, not as somebody in a Ghostbuster outfit, not as, you know, her name was also Rebecca, you know, but not also as Rebecca in a Ghostbusters outfit, but as that character, I can be that character. And it makes a huge difference for you to embody that character and not just generic woman version of that. Right. Like my friend and his daughter who got to dress up as Ray, she was pumped because she could be like something her dad wants to watch, but she got to be her own character. Exactly. Aww. The character. The not, character. Not just True. a random Jedi, you know, <laughs> yeah. in a random generic outfit. It was that character that I saw I can be. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, that's a positive um, thing is the merchandise. <laughs> and the ability to give that experience to, to somebody, to a child. I'll agree. I think that's a step. I will be happy in a world when we can have a, uh, uh, when we live in a world with great merchandise and great content that go together um, in defense of DC superhero girls. <laughs> I think there are things that play well in the show. I think overall I rolled my eyes. Like I have a list of like 10 things here in our notes that I hate. Um, <laughs> But there are moments that are good. I think the one episode that stood out to me is um, Wonder Woman is in like a fashion design class. And she designs like this really elaborate like 1960s Jack Kirby <laughs> comic book outfit with like a crown, like this flowing cape and with like mini capes coming off of it <laughs> in all this insanity. And she goes to try and save the day in this. And it just obviously goes terribly. Because this awful, flowy, like, not practical thing. And the episode is about, like, sometimes be practical. Like, you need to have a different kind of outfit. And she goes back to her standard Wonder Woman outfit. And, like, this is why she wears this. And I can get behind this episode. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you like fashion. But also you're wearing this particular low-key outfit on top of that. Right. Yeah, it goes back to the, um, the is it Leia and her dress with the Ewoks? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, know, but also you get that the thing that you get from Leia too is is the the attitude of thanks, I appreciate this, and Leia's the obvious the the best diplomatic person to say thank you, but do it in a way that anyone who knows her knows that she's like also being sarcastic about it. I did like Poison Ivy mainly because um, my parents are uh, official gardeners. So <laughs> they, they, they have a greenhouse business. So I was more attracted to that. I did like the scene about the extracurriculars, um, like the fair, like, you know, you're at a fair trying to figure out what club you want to join. And she joins the science club, which is good. We need women in science. And she's also kind of the science uh, being for the school because she's always playing with plants and just, you know, that kind of world but um so i did i like that just for fun um she didn't annoy me so that was good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can i can see how harley quinn could be annoying in in this particular iteration it's it's hard because you have these villains where you take away their bite and then it's like all that you're left with is the annoying the, part the annoying part you take away their like harley quinn's is only not annoying because she's also dangerous. And if you take away the dangerousness, then there's not that threat anymore. And now it's just, you know, as you were called her, the, the, the big over-the-top Joker character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so. one thing I realized watching this is just, I'm, I'm respecting Batman as a concept more for having the most female villains that I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> Like, nameable female villains, not just, like, side characters. Like, Catwoman, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Talia al Ghul. But isn't it also telling that they had to bring in villain characters to oh, fill in the ranks for sure. of the high school? That they didn't have enough heroes. They had to bring in the big-name villains because there weren't enough DC superhero girls to fill the show DC superhero girls. Well, if you're going for, like... This, this kind of broad, basic knowledge of the DC universe and the women in it, you're going to bring in the most popular women, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, obviously. Among, they've already had, like, a Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Catwoman, like, animated show spinoff, like, before. Right? No, the web series. The web series, the whatever, Sirens of Gotham or something. Yeah. Um, like, they're notably known as female villains of the DC universe. And, like, if would you rather see a show with Poison Ivy in it or a show with Bumblebee in it? I mean, not knowing anything about either one. Like, Bumblebee's great. I love Bumblebee, but, like, most people have no idea who she is. Right. It's just, it, it just doesn't do anything to their characters, really, to make them not bad in some ways. Like, you take a little bit of, take a little bit of their power away. Well, yeah, because not all girls are good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, even though, we, you know, we want to show that, that there is goodness in having girls up front. But, but yeah, also you want to look up to Catwoman. People look up to Catwoman because she is a villain. But that's hard to spin into like, oh, well, you're bad and we're good. Um, and we go to high school together. And then it becomes <laughs> mean girls, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it gets a little complicated for your six minutes. And I guess, I don't know. I mean, I did laugh. There was an episode where Wonder Woman was taking over as a waitress, and she was just really bad at being a waitress. 
and there was food on the walls. Like I didn't know how most of that happened and just things were awful for her. And then she's, it's like, yeah, it's okay to be bad at something because she's so good at being a hero. It's like, look, you're, so you're bad at something. It doesn't really matter. It's okay to be bad at something. You don't have to be the best at everything. Yeah, and then she does laugh at herself when she's um, she's like, oh, Amazonians can't ever do anything wrong. And that's what my mom told me. But then she laughs at herself in one of those episodes. Yeah. So. Which well, I think that's an episode where Harley Quinn like saves the problem of the day. She does. Because she it's, like recorded her being like embarrassing herself. And that's why Wonder Woman laughs. Let me show you all the humiliating things that happen to all of you. And take everyone down a notch. You all are all ego, and now I'm just going to take everyone down to my level. And we're going to be better people because of it. I mean, that's or something, but Or something, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's a very, like, that's like the Wonder Woman 2, like, approach to DC superhero girls. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, do we have anything else that we need to say about DC Superhero Girls to put a pin on that or put a bow on it? Or uh, a, I don't. They are they are drawn as hot wit, you know, young women, yeah. and they are they are accentuated in that per, that aspect, which you know I think always does a disservice. I will never look like my Barbie because it's physically impossible. So yeah, they. I don't know if they are gonna bre- if they actually take this platform and try to talk about real issues like that you would have in high school or you'd have in middle school, or if they're just gonna be like, oh yeah, they blow up things and it's fine because you know that doesn't <laughs> do any- that doesn't do anybody anything. And my hair is still great, you know. At yeah. the end of the day, my hair is still good. To be fair, though, like the men are also idealized to the point that they just look like these like high school gay boys like they all look exactly the same so it's an equal opportunity like offender in terms of idealization of body type which is true and i did have <laughs> and to to be fair to go back to star wars i did have an issue with anakin's representation mm-hmm. in forces of destiny um mostly i don't think i had a, a problem with the way he was shown but except for the fact that they took away his scar like oh, if he, yeah. Like, if he had his scar over his right eye, I would have been like, oh, so he's a, he's slightly softer around the edges, and that's okay. But, you know, I had more problem with why they have to remove his scar. Was he not pretty enough with with a scar on, the, on his face? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And also, I think it's because they gave him lips. Usually... <laughs> That's how you can tell male characters from female characters is if they have lips. That's true. If you watch Aladdin, Aladdin doesn't have lips, but Jasmine does. This is a general animation trope that is unfortunate. I will be on the lookout for the lips. Yeah, watch the lips. And when you get a male character with lips, they're queer-coded, like Jafar. There you are. Mm-hmm. Jafar. Jafar. So, um, <laughs> but anything else that we want to say about these? Any other thoughts that we haven't had been able to... Talk about these other than good job, bad job. Will your kids or future kids or um, nieces or nephews or anyone that fills that role, would you encourage them to watch either of these? Um, Jack watched all of Forces of Destiny with me. And it was good to have something that he was not going to be traumatized by. Um, Star Wars based. 
because um, I can't show him Star Wars Rebels and I can't show him Star Wars yeah, Clone Wars because those are just violent and crazy. But um, he watched all of that. I don't think I will ever show him DC Superhero Girls. I don't think I, I can. I'd feel the same way. Yeah. Agreed. Concurred. Okay. How about for you? Well, um, I think personally, I will. I'll watch the other uh, Force Awakens just for fun, uh, or not Force Awakens, um, Forces of Destiny. <laughs> um, also, the new Force Awakens Part Two, whatever it's called. Um, I gotta, it's work away Force Awakens <laughs> I Part work Two. Work on my Star Wars terminology, but um, <laughs> I think yeah, just because it's kind of a simplified version, which is good because I don't know all the <laughs> Star Wars history in the first place. Um, so, but yeah, um, I'm I'm good to get my cape on outside of uh, superhero girls. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, I don't think I'd recommend it to the young people in my life. You'll have to watch because he's wonder woman and report and just let us know. Will do. Have you seen it? Mackenzie? I have. And I can say she does not forget where she parked her invisible jet in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Darn tootin'. I had, I had heard a lot of um, women just like, this is so cool. Like they left the movie theater just really jazzed, um, which, you know, you don't really get to do because it's always a male character. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, um, a cousin um, of mine, she, she was really into Wonder Woman, but she was disappointed that she had to have a love interest in the movie. She's like, why? She's like, why does, why does everyone always have to fall in love? Like, you know, why can't she just be Wonder Woman? So I don't, I don't know the, com- like the rest of that story because I haven't seen it yet. But yeah. I thought that was interesting because she, you know, she's a teenager and she was kind of annoyed that the woman always has to fall in love. Yeah, I, she needed something yeah. to sacrifice. And the easiest thing to set up to have something to sacrifice is to have a love interest. And I, mean, I think it's, it is... It's easy storytelling as opposed to anything. It's this person needs to have a sacrifice and let's have them fall in love because friendship isn't strong enough to lose just a buddy. You have to have lose your your guy. But I also want to hold this movie to like a higher standard just because it's a movie about women. So like I'm I'm willing to let some flaws go like I would for any other movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like there's so many Um, other like good nuanced things about Wonder Woman. I'm like, oh, okay, this is an easy pass with the love interest. Yeah, I didn't have that big of a problem, but it was the one thing that I was questioning. So going forward with new shows that are f- for girls and not just about them, how do we market them? Do we say, hey, this is for you, this is about you, or do we just say, here's a show, you can make that decision on your own? I think there are actually a number of shows right now that are super successful, Um that have major female characters, even if they're not the lead, that are doing smashingly well. And they're not marketed necessarily toward girls. Um, but like Star versus the Force of Evil on Disney XD is about a magical space princess from another dimension with a magic wand. I think um, you'd enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty excellent. And it like it's the best combination of like Lisa Frank and Rainbows and Battle Axes at the same time. Like literally the same time. <laughs> Rainbow Battle Axe Blast! Um, <laughs> so I think that's wonderful. And it's actually getting into this really like deep, dark storytelling right now. And it's this fun like mother-daughter, like complex storyline. Um, also, Steven Universe, where Steven, of course, is the main character. But I think he has equal screen time with uh, these magical female-identified rock gems from outer space that he hangs out with. Um, and that's really good 
for everyone, not just women. Mm-hmm. And and a good favorite of the show, Doc McStuffins. Oh yes. If, Doc McStuffins. I, I would be remiss if we didn't say that <laughs> I think if everything could be marketed like Doc McStuffins, I think you'd be good. Because there are boys and girls who love Doc McStuffins. And I think the thing that's important about it is if you make a strong character and publicize and market the character mm-hmm. and what the character does, you will get your fan base. Because Doc McStuffins, here's a girl who takes care of her doc her her dolls as a doctor. You know, you you market her as she's smart, she likes her dolls, she likes um and Part of it was a little bit worrying because everything of hers has sparkles on it and a little bit of glitter, but that's her. She enjoys that stuff. Like her shoes have glitter on them and it's, it's just fun. It's not something that they're trying to make it about girls. They're trying to make it about Doc herself mm-hmm. as a character. And I think if the marketing people do that and concentrate on the main character instead of trying to make a main character that speaks to one thing and just, or make the marketing or things a certain way. If they use everything to express what that character is about, then I'm sure that they'll do better. Because Jack was Doc McStuffins for Halloween. Like that's what he wanted to be, was Doc McStuffins for Halloween two years ago. And we let him mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it's a, she's a great character. And why not? But so, Rebecca, I, for you, oh, you were I was, probably so, about to the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, but that's, that's what I was thinking in terms of marketing things. But for you, what do you think in terms of future marketing or marketing for? Well, that's why I asked the question. <laughs> um, I, th- I, think you sh- I, I think you should just uh, call, um, call forward the fact that it's for women in a sense because so it because we need to just keep being reminded that we exist and um, we should you know, but I think I think you can do both at the same time. You can just present a good written story, a well written story, and a good character and a strong character um, that will tell that um, st- uh, story of being a cool female on its own. Um, and you know, giving it a little push is okay. It's not everything. It's never going to be perfect. You know, we're, we're still struggling and just in our real world. So, um, I think giving it a little push and saying, oh, this is, you know, female driven and, but you know, it's a cool story. And if it uh, reaches out and it appeals to boys too, because of the good writing and the good stories, it's, um, it stands on its own. So I, I think a little push isn't bad because we need that constant reminder oh, there's a female-driven story because we don't have enough female-driven stories. So I, I think we need a little bit of push in the right direction, and and uh, that'll that'll help us all just be friends. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think the the I think the biggest problem that that we feel with DC superhero girls is that it's manufactured. You know, it's it's not something coming out of character. It's a manufactured thing that you, they put all the characters and all the design and everything through uh, a specific machine that out mm-hmm. created this output of. Let's see. I will dial in. I want girls from ages seven to fourteen to enjoy this. Hit the button, and it did some math and spat out. 
this is what Wonder Woman looks like. This is what this person looks like. This is instead of really thinking about what's a good version of Wonder Woman in high school. Like we weren't really thinking about that. They they created a concept and yeah. deliver try to deliver it that way, manufactured from the external as opposed from the internal. It's high school seen through the lens of the DC universe, not the DC universe seen through the lens of high school. Correct. Yeah. So, Mackenzie, I know you already said it, but do you want to restate your favorite thing? My favorite thing is still, does this dress come with a spear? Like, it's just sass <laughs> on a new level. The world will continue on without Carrie Fisher with continued Princess Leia sass. And I'm confident in that. And I'm glad that she put the stamp on that. We need that. <laughs> yes. We, we need more Carrie Fisher somehow. We need the essence of Carrie Fisher in this world now. So how about for you, Rebecca? Did you have any specific thing that jumps out? No, I just, um, I, I am excited to see where um, uh, Forces of Destiny takes their characters and how they get to help each other as women and be partners so I think that'll be fun when it's a little longer and it's a, a little bit more to dissect than the two minutes. Um, but I, I really just liked uh, their their role. And like I said, to me, it was their voices. They weren't like Harley Quinn, which is just over the top. And I'm not saying you can't have a girly voice. I mean, mine sounds quite girly and, and not high-pitched. And that's not a critique of the way that we are built as women, but when that's the only version of women that you get, then mm-hmm. it's, then it, it's, does a disservice. So I like that, you know, Ray was level-headed, Leia's level-headed, you know, she's playing, you know, she's secretly in the rebellion or the resistance. So, um, or the rebels or pick one of the R words. So, um, <laughs> uh, one day I'll get this all straight. But um, so her, yeah, her version of like just being strong isn't overt. It's just her because that's, you know, women are strong and they don't have to be asked to be so. Awesome. Well put. Very well put. Um, my favorite thing, in addition to the shield that my friend's daughter got <laughs> um, from DC Superhero Girls, is there's a scene um, where Padme and um, Ahsoka are together in the room, and they're like, wait a minute, why did you set the table with utensils? They're like, yeah, why is there utensils? And she says, um, excuse me. And you see the servant get this really annoyed face like, Oh, I almost got it. Like, this is very, Foiled sco- again. this is very Scooby-Doo moment of like, darn it. And it pulls out a blaster and just starts firing. I was like, oh, okay, we're just doing really fast storytelling. Well, <laughs> like, it's, it's very Scooby-Doo because this is like the third time Padme's had an assassination attempt from this particular like shapeshifter species. <laughs> and if any real estate agent shows up, you'll know they're a crook. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was you the whole time. No. <laughs> Shakes fist angrily. <laughs> well, should we talk about homework time for next time? Let's. For your homework, we are going to be discussing three animated shorts. So they're nice and short, so you can see them. But we're discussing the topic of love in animation-ish, kind of. So three different kinds of love. You can see the short Ode to Love, which you can find on YouTube for free. You can see the film that's becoming very viral, In a Heartbeat, on YouTube, online, and also the Disney film Paper Man, 
which you can get with Wreck-It Ralph or by itself for like $2 or $3 on iTunes or something. So Ode to Love in a Heartbeat and Paper Man for next time. So we do want to say thank you to Rebecca for being here, for being our guest. Thank you for having me. And if you ever want to come back when we discuss something, it doesn't have to be just like a female episode. You can come back to talk about other things you're interested in. Great. I, I have other um, capabilities. Yes, I'm <laughs> sure. being a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say, in case any of our listeners are like, they just are inviting Rebecca just to talk about women because she's a woman. I'm like, no, that's not the reason. It's a nice cherry on top. Right. But, yes. But, and we also want to say thank you to Nigel Catino, our engineer, and also to Jacob Reeb for our theme drums. Theme drums? Theme drums. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at um, WG Animated, if you have opinions or things to share. Or if we missed your favorite female-centric cartoon, uh, call it out on Twitter. Please help us spread the word about good, good animation cartooning with diversity focus. I missed a lot of conjunctions in that sentence. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash WGAnimated. And all of our show notes will be on our Tumblr, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Good night, everybody.